Try saying that again twice. (laughs) The epistle to the Hebrew says, faith is confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of things, what we do not see. Sermon series is part of our capital campaign. It's called Building a Great Life. And the theme for today is Building a Life of Faith. As you can see from the video, faith is often understood and misunderstood in many ways. The word is used a number of ways. Faith, for instance, is often used to describe the body of content that makes up the belief of Christianity. We talk about the Christian faith. I used to teach a class on the Christian faith, talking about that body of knowledge. The most important spiritual use of the word faith is when we use it as saving faith. Saving faith that comes as a gift from God. We're all familiar with the passage from Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This gift of God comes to us in our baptism. God works faith in us, allows us to believe. It's the very power of God that allows us, that creates the relationship with Him and allows us to live in that relationship. Our message today is going to talk about faith in one other aspect. We're going to talk about faith as actions that God's people engage in. It's the saving faith worked in us by God, put into action by his sons or daughters. This is what the Apostle James was talking about. He says, my brothers and sisters, what good is it if people claim they have faith but don't act like it? Can that kind of faith save them? He gives an example. Suppose a brother or sister has no clothes or no food. And suppose one of, them says to, uh, uh, suppose one of you says to them, Go! I hope everything turns out fine for you. I hope you keep warm. I hope you eat well. And you do nothing for them. James asks, what good have you done? It's the same with faith. If it doesn't cause you to do something, it's dead. Here's an analogy to help understand how these two usages of faith work together. Five years ago, I had surgery on my right shoulder. It was supposed to be minor arthroscopic surgery to clean up some damage that the doctor was convinced was in my shoulder but didn't really show up on the MRI. So I underwent the surgery, and when I woke up, the surgeon was looking at me, and he said, "Um, things are a little different. You see, what I found was that you had a torn rotator cuff and that the tendon that anchors part of your arm together was shredded. So I had to take it out, trim it, and reattach it in a different place. I have good news for you. Your arm is now perfectly well. However, you can't move it. It's in a sling now, and it will be in a sling for two weeks. And don't try and move your arm. Anytime you move it, you will move your right arm with your left arm. It was completely useless. And the doctor said, I'm going to send you to a physical therapist. And that physical therapist is going to move your arm at first and going to give you increasingly harder and harder and harder exercises. And if you go to that therapist and if you do those exercises, you will have complete and total use of your arm. Guess what? He was not lying. He was telling the truth. But the analogy strikes me. 
We were blinds, physically dead, like my arm was. But God, like that surgeon, acted and changed the relationship. Then he gave, me, he gave me a new arm, and he gave me the faith and said, I've given you a new arm, and I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. I'm baptizing you into Jesus Christ. And that Spirit is going to grow and work that faith so that you will have spiritual strength like that arm. That's how faith works in our lives. So this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. There are six aspects of how you and I can build a great life by learning to live by faith. Number one, faith is first believing when I don't see it. Faith is first believing when I don't see it. Because we have received the gift of faith from God, we are enabled to visualize the future in the present. It's seeing in advance, it's believing, it's being certain of what we do not say. Now, human beings say it this way. He said, I'll believe it when I see it. God says, no, you got it all backwards. When you believe it, then you will see it. Think about what an architect does. We say, we want this kind of a building. And he says, oh, I know that. And he makes some drawings. He says, I can see this building before it exists, and I'll draw you a picture of it. Or an artist will paint a scene, look at a scene, and put it into a, a drawing. Or I was told that uh, Michelangelo... When he was asked, uh, how could he envision something like the great sculpture of David in that stone? He said, well, I saw David inside that stone. I just had to chip the rest of the rock away to have him come out of it. That's seeing, that's believing before you see. And that's what God's talking about here. In Hebrews 11, he, he talks about Abraham. He said, Abraham had faith, so he obeyed God. God called him to go to a place that he would receive as his own, And he went and did it, even though he didn't know where he was going. You're probably all familiar with the story of Abraham, but there's some details that sometimes we miss. Abraham was 75 years old, and he was probably thinking about retiring sometime soon. He lived in the city of Ur of the Chaldees, which is in modern-day Iraq. And just about that time, he was thinking it was probably time to retire. God came up to him and said, "Uh, Abraham, no, you're not going to retire Um, I'm getting ready for you to go on the adventure of a lifetime. You see, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Matter of fact, I'm going to make you the father of the nation from which the Redeemer is going to come. And by the way, you're not going to do it here. You're going to move to a new country. Well, I'm sure Abraham had all kinds of questions. Where are we going? God says, I know. He says, well, how will I know when I get there? God will say, well, I'll tell you. Faith turns dreams into reality. It's believing the promises of God before we see the result. But it's far more than that. Because, secondly, faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. God gives us the example in Hebrews chapter 11 of a man named Noah. Now just think some of the doubts Noah might have had. Can you imagine if God came to you one day and said, I'm going to wipe out the whole world, and then I'm going to repopulate it through you. Your family's going to be the only one left. I'm going to redo the world through you. Right. Would you have any doubts if you heard that message? In Hebrews 11.7 it says, It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never 
happened before. The Bible says faith is obeying when I don't understand it. When what God tells me to do doesn't make sense. Again, Noah must have had all kinds of questions and doubts because this has never happened before. But again, sometimes the details escape us. The Bible tells us that before the flood, there wasn't any rain. That somehow the earth, the atmosphere was completely different from the world we live in. And somehow a great mist came up from the ground every day and watered the crops. But there wasn't any rain. God took care of it by himself. So when God said to him, Noah, I want you to build this big boat because it's going to flood, a very logical response from Noah would have been, what's a flood? And then God would have said, well, that's when a lot of rain builds up. And Noah looked at him again and said, what's rain? And God would say, well, it's like when I take a lake and turn it upside down and all water comes flying down out of the sky. It had never happened before. Faith always involves risking. Some people want a guarantee of success before they obey God. They read something in the Bible and, and God tells us to do something and say, okay, God, that sounds cool. Why don't you show me how it's going to work? Why don't you show me the guarantee? Let me read the warranty and then I'll do it. That's not faith. Faith is trusting and believing in God even when I don't understand it. Remember when you were a kid and your parents told you to do something that made no sense at all? I know in my life, when my parents did that, the first thing that popped into my mind wasn't, oh yeah, Dad, I'll do it because I trust in you. I was more likely to think, not say, let an old fogey like him know what he's talking about. That doesn't make any sense. And later, looking back, it was amazing how as I got older, my father got wiser. You know, the things that he told me that didn't make sense then made perfect sense as I tried to explain them to my son. Trust in what God says, obeying before I understand it. And imagine how much more trustworthy and believable God is even than our parents. He made the world. He gave us his word, the Bible, it's an, as an owner's manual. If I ignore what God says, who am I going to hurt? I'm not going to hurt God. I'm only hurting myself. Faith is believing when I don't see it, it's obeying when I don't understand it. And the Bible tells us also, number three, faith is giving when I don't have it. Giving when I don't have it. Hebrews 11, verse 4. It was by faith that Abel's offering to God was a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved of his giving. As you read that story, it isn't the amount that made the difference, but the attitude. God doesn't care about the amount. He worries about the attitude of the one who gives. Abel gave from the first fruits. He said, this is what I've received from God. I'm going to give the best back to him. And Cain, on the other hand, said, well, this is all he gave me. I better give him a little something. It was the attitude, not the amount. There's, there's two ways you can give. You can give by faith. Or you can give out of fear. You know, one uses reason and the other uses revelation. One of the ways you don't get credit for. The other way pleases God. If we give by reason, it kind of works like this. Say, okay, um, I hear, I understand that there's a need. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to look at my bank account, and I'm going to look at my check stubs, I'm going to look at my savings account, and I'm going to develop a spreadsheet, I'm going to talk to my accountant, and maybe I'll get a subscription or buy a copy of Money Magazine, and I'll read them, and, and once I've done all of that, I'll figure out how much I can afford to give God. Sounds reasonable, but it doesn't require any faith. An atheist figures out that's how he's going to spend his money when when a need is presented to him. The other way is to give by faith, to give by revelation. Revelation is when you pray and you ask God, God, what do you want me to give? God, how much do you want me to trust you in this time? It's giving by faith, the kind of giving that God blesses. But faith is even more than giving when I don't have it. Faith is, number four, persisting when I don't feel like it. It's persisting when I don't feel like it. That's the opposite of our culture. Our culture says, do everything based on your feelings. Summarizing, if it feels good, do it, right? Sounds logical. If it doesn't feel good, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Why would you? As a result, as we follow that philosophy, we end up being manipulated by our moods, by our emotions. Mature people live by their commitments, not their emotions. Emotions come and go. Something I've discovered about myself over the years is that when I don't feel like praying or reading the Bible or talking with God, it's precisely the the time that I most need to pray, to talk to God, and read the Bible. My sinful nature says, you know, God's trying to tell me something, but I don't want to hear it, so I'm going to stay away from his word. Uh, I really have a concern, but I, don't want, I know what God's going to tell me, and I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to pray. Right? Anybody else have that same kind of feeling? That's how we are as human beings. So how do you develop persistence? How do you develop that consistent persistence? Hebrews 11 gives us the example of a man named Moses. You know about Moses. It was by faith that Moses left Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. He held to the purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Sure, you're familiar with Moses. He led an entire nation that had been in slavery for 400 years out through the wilderness, across the Sea of Reeds, out onto the Sinai Peninsula, And they traveled around in 40 years waiting for God to get his people ready to go into the promised land. 40 years is a long time to wait for something. How do you get to be persistent like that in your faith? The Bible says, He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. The key is to keep your eyes on God. That's what Moses did. When you keep your eyes on God, it keeps you persistent. There may be someone out here this morning who feels like quitting. Maybe it has to do with your marriage. Maybe you're getting ready to give up on that boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you're ready to give up on school because it just seems too hard. Maybe that job or that career that you had in mind isn't working out. Maybe the health issues you face just seem hopeless. I'm never going to get better. Some of you might feel that way about your finances. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to accumulate what I want. I'm never going to be able to retire. I'm never going to be able to whatever, whatever, whatever. 
because you keep your eyes on the problems, they just seem to multiply. But God promises if you keep focused on Him, the fulfiller of promises, the provider and guarantor of faith, the one who sends the Spirit to encourage you, if you keep your eyes on Him, then your faith will grow. You will persist. If you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look inside of yourself, you're probably going to end up depressed. But if you put your faith in God, as He asks you, you will be at rest. It's all what you have your eyes on. Two other things we need to know about faith. Number five, faith is thanking God before I receive it. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. The Bible talks about faith being connected to thanking God in advance. I'm going to give you a couple things that faith is not. Faith is not believing that God can do something. God can do it whether you believe it or not. Faith is not even believing God will do something. That's hope. You hope he will. What faith is, is believing that God is doing something right now. Even though I don't see it, I believe that he's working behind the scenes, that the answer is already on its way, that he's moving the pieces even as we speak. So therefore, it's thanking God in advance. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this disaster. I don't know how you're going to make this situation better. But thank you for doing it. Because I know you're faithful to your promises. Mark chapter 11 reads, When you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it. Past tense. Listen again. When you pray pray and ask for something, believe that you have already received it and that you will be given what you ask for. In the present tense. Believing you'll receive it and then you'll get it. That's called faith. It's thanking God in advance. If you wait until after a prayer has been answered to thank God for it, that's gratitude. That's not faith. Gratitude is saying, thank you God for what you did. Faith faith is thanking God in advance for what he's going to do. Because the belief is that God has given me this promise, he's given me this direction, and even though it hasn't happened yet, I'm thankful that I know it will. Number six. Faith is trusting even if I don't get it. The Bible says that faith is trusting even if I don't get it. Here's the truth. I want you to know this. God hears and answers every single prayer. He doesn't always answer the way you want him to, however. In fact, sometimes when you say when you pray, God says yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes when you pray, God says no. And sometimes when you pray, God says not yet. And sometimes God says, I've got a better idea. I've got something different. I know you're going to like it even better. All four of those are valid answers to prayer. And faith is trusting that God, even when I don't get the answer I expected or wanted. Notice what God says in Hebrews chapter 11 about all those great heroes of faith in that chapter. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, because God had planned something better. Living by faith doesn't exempt you from problems. 
Sometimes we pray for God to remove a problem, and instead He keeps the problem there, but instead gives us the, the strength and power to get through it, and you end up being stronger. God wants you to have character and strength and maturity, so He sometimes allows problems to develop in our lives so that we can develop the strength to overcome them. Finally, there's, there's two ways that God will build your faith. First, we are told, God builds your faith through trials and testings. First Peter chapter 1, These trials are only to test your faith, and your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. It will bring you much praise and honor on the day of his return. It's counterintuitive in our world to say that God uses difficulties to test and refine your faith. The world tells us that if we had a good God, he would get rid of all the difficulties in our life. But faith says that even in the midst of difficulties and trials, God is working to strengthen us. He uses demands on our time to test your faith. He uses dollars and finances to test our faith. He uses delays to test our faith. This testing is strengthening and and building up and growing like, like an athlete who works out to build up to strengthen their faith. Some of you are going through a tough time right now, and you're about ready to give up. I want to say to you, hang on. God will make a way. As you work on these six areas of faith in your life, God will make a way. and He's going to bring you through with power and strength to the end that he has in mind for you. And the second way God builds faith is through his word, through the Bible. Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So the more you get into his book, the more you're going to grow in faith. If you don't ever read the Bible, you're not going to grow much faith. It's a spiritual food that builds the muscle. And here's a great idea. Last time you're going to hear it. Last offer. If you have not yet signed up to be in one of the, person, the, the, the Purpose Driven Life small groups, It's not too late. You can sign up in the courtyard after the service today. If you signed up and missed last week, guess what? It's not too late. You can still come. If you heard there weren't enough books and you decided not to come, guess what? we got more books. So whatever excuse you've had, whatever problem you've had, whatever obstacle you've had, overcome it now because week two starts at 11 o'clock this morning. So all you have to do is hang around until 11 o'clock and join that group. You can get plugged into that source of spiritual power, a study of God's Word. Throughout our spiritual journey of life, there are always aspects of our faith that we need to work on. Whether you have just become a Christian, or whether you've been a Christian for 85 years, and you're on your deathbed, there's always ways that God is working to grow and strengthen that faith that's in us. It's a process that goes from the time we become Christians till the time we leave this life to join Him in heaven. Maybe it's working on believing when you don't see it. Perhaps it's obeying when you don't want to, or giving when you don't have it, or persisting when you don't feel like it. Sometimes it's learning to thank before you receive it, or, or it's responding in faith. But remember the promise. God has healed us. He has bridged the chasm. He has restored the relationship through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember the promise that His Spirit is active in your life, that the faith that has been planted in you will be nourished and strengthened and will grow, and that God will work it all out for your good.
He wants us to grow in the faith that He has given us. And all through our life are opportunities that He gives us and enables us to do exactly that. He gives us the faith to grow in faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.